This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, so um, there's a bunch of parshas here that are that are dedicated to Yisvat We have spoken. I don't know if I spoke to you guys about this, but that he wasn't accepted by his brothers. He felt very unaccepted by his brothers. He was different. Um, they judged him actually for death. They threw him into a a pit that uh, had scorpions and snakes, and they thought he would die. And uh, why, why they judged him for death? Because he said in his dream that his mother and father bowed down to him, and his father was considered a king. And that's called something called Murabimachus, rebelling against the king. Chaimisa, and they passed in Chaimisa. Now, one of the lessons. One of the lessons, when they were having all kinds of problems with him, um, they spoke to each other, they went down to Mitzrayim, they spoke to each other, and they were like, what is going on here that he called us spies? He locked them up. Like, what do we do? Listen carefully, because this is very important for everyone who's watching, whoever is listening. Vayomru Ishalachiv. And they said to each other, the Shvatim, one to another. Avol Ashemim Anachnu. We are guilty when it came to our brother Yosef. We saw his pain. When he begged us, he pleaded with us to save him, right? Not to throw him into the pit. And we did not listen. That is why... We are going through all this pain. One second, girls. They, they paskin. They made a bezdin of ten. And they paskin la halacha. That he was chay of misa. Because he was married by malchus. What did they do wrong? They didn't do anything wrong. So listen to what they said to each other. They didn't say to each other, We made a mistake by selling him to Mitzrayim. They didn't say to each other, we made a mistake by throwing him into a pit. They said, we made a mistake that even when you're right, if someone begs you and they're in pain, you should have had pity on them. Ooh, that's huge. So like, sometimes the principal and the teachers are right. And the girl really did something bad. They're right. And she should get thrown out of school. But she comes and she begs. Because she's in pain and she begs for pity. Then even if you're right, if you throw her out, you're wrong. Unless she's destroying the whole school. So they didn't say to each other, you know what, this is happening? Because we, we made a huge mistake. They didn't think they made a mistake. They, until this week's Pasha, they thought they were 100% right in what they passed. 
But they said to each other, even if you're right, you're wrong. When someone is in pain and they're begging you for mercy, being right is not important. Having mercy is important. So then Ruvain says the next blessing, but yeah, Ruvain I told you. I told you not to do it. I'll don't don't start up with this kid. And you did not listen to me. And now his blood because they didn't know what happened to him, is being avenged. But they didn't know that Yosef, he looked like an Arab, they didn't know that he understood exactly what they were saying. So what did he do? But He turned away from them, and he started to cry. He came back, and then he... Uh, and then he, what's it called? And he took Shimon and he put him in prison. Why did Yosef cry? Because he realized that his brothers, the tshuva, that they felt bad, that even though they were right, when he cried to them and begged them for mercy, and they didn't listen, that they were wrong. So that, he, he cried about that. In other words, at least they're not so hard, and they realize that if someone cries to you and needs mercy, even if you're right, you should give them mercy. Okay? It's a crazy lesson for parents, for people who are mechanchim and teachers and principals, and that if you're right, but the kid really is sorry, and the kid's begging, break your rules. This is Torah. This is not psychology. That's one. So he cried a little, Turned away, they couldn't see him crying. That wow, my brothers at least at least realized that they didn't have mercy on me, and that's why and that's why this is happening to them. Okay. But in the same parasha, last week's parasha, something happens that he actually cries hysterically. He cries so much then he has to go and wash his face. You know, you know, that's like if you really cry and you don't want people to know you're crying, you got to go wash your face. You are crying hysterically. What would cause Yosef, second to the king of Mitzrayim, pretty tough guy, to cry so hysterically? I'm going to read it to you. Another very important lesson. Where are you? Okay. The end of the parasha, Mikate last week, plus the Kov test. Vayisa Einav, he raised his eyes, Vayar Es Binyamin, and he saw Binyamin, Achiv, his brother, Benimo, from his mother, Rachel, right? She had two children. He said, is this, he made believe, is this your brother that you spoke about? They said, yes. And Yosef rushed. Because his compassion for his brother 
had been stirred by Yivakesh Lifchais. He needed to cry. He went looking for a place to cry. Okay, why? He went into a private room by and he cried hysterically there. He had to wash his face. And he went out and he made himself normal. What happened that could cause Yosef to cry so hysterically that in order for his brothers not to know that he was crying, he had to go into a bathroom or into a private room and he had to wash his face. What happened? What, what happened? He saw Benjamin? Big deal. Okay, so he saw Benjamin. Yeah. Had he ever met Sure. Sure, Benjamin. Yeah, okay. It's not a reason to cry hysterically. It's a reason to be happy. So, is it an amazing, amazing... I don't know why I put my glasses on again, because i got to read from here. But it's an amazing... Rashi. Listen to this Rashi. So he meets Binyamin, right, his brother, and he, he talks, he, he wants to talk to him. So Rashi says, Shal, he asks him, He makes believe he doesn't know. Binyamin, do you have a brother? Amalo. Achoyali, I used to have a brother, but any of their heichen who Binyamin says, I don't know where he is. I don't know where my brother is. So Yosef asks him, Yeshacha Banim, do you have children? Do you have any children? Like he's curious. Amalo, Yeshli Asara. He had ten sons. Binyamin. Ten. Amazing, right? Ten sons. Amalai Mashimam. Oh, really? You have ten sons? What's their names? Amalo, Bella. Becher, Gomer. He says, those are weird names, Yosef says. I never heard those names before. What, what are these names? Bella, Becher. Like, not Avram Yosef Yaakov. Like, what, what, what are these names? He says the following. Unbelievable. What is the nature of these names? Amalai, Kulam al Shem Achi. I named every one of my children because of my lost brothers. And the troubles that he encountered. Why? Bela. Bela because he was swallowed up amongst the nation. I don't know where he is. Becher. Because he was the Bechor. He was the firstborn to my mother. Rachel. Ashbel. Because God made him a Shevel, a captive. Geira. Because he's a gear somewhere, he's living somewhere, I don't know where. Naaman, because he was very beautiful. Um, Achai, he's my brother, he was my chief. Achai, Reishi, Mupim, Mipi Aviv Loma, because he studied from the mouth of my father, Yaakov. Hupim, because he did not see my chuppah, my hupim, chuppah. And I did not see his his wedding because he disappeared amongst all the nations. Ten names. When Yosef heard that his brother, who didn't really know much, 
named every single one of his children to remember his lost brother, he couldn't deal with it. He's like, there's someone in this world that loves me so much and cares about me so much that every time he calls one of his children, he remembers that I'm lost. I never had such a relationship, said Yosef. And he just cracked. And he cried hysterically in a room. That's how how it's so important that no matter what a person goes through, he knows that there's someone out there that hasn't forgotten him. So maybe his other brothers forgot him, but his brother Binyamin for sure did not forget him because he named every single one of his children after a brother that was lost that he didn't really know. And that Yosef could not handle. King, strong, he wasn't a kid anymore. So on the other side of it, as a mother or a teacher, you need to let the children know that you're always thinking of them. And as a child, I know children don't think this way, but we wrote about it in my Hilchus Kivit of Aim book, that parents need to know that their children are always thinking of them. Not just when they want allowance, or a toy, or money. But, hi, Ma, I'm just calling you to say hello. Oh, yeah, what do you need? What do you want? Why are you calling me? No, just to call you to tell you that I'm thinking of you, that I love you. A guy, imagine like this, a guy, he's married for 10 years. It's his 10th anniversary, no, 12, 12 years. It's his 12th anniversary. So he goes and he buys his wife a dozen roses. Comes home, happy anniversary! Wow, you bought those for me? Yeah, a dozen roses. <gasps> First of all, you remember the anniversary. That's already a big, but wow, you must really love me. She takes the dozen roses. She puts it in her beautiful silver vase. She puts it in the dining room. Everybody can see it. How much did that dozen roses cost? Ten bucks. You can buy a dozen roses for ten bucks. So one of my students, one of my students, who was married for 10 years, said, Rebbe, you know, you gave that whole speech. I came home, I didn't buy her roses. I said, you know, my Rebbe gave a whole speech, a dozen roses, $10. Here's $20, because I really love you more than that. She said, you married to me for 10 years and you bought me $20? Get out of my house right now, you crazy. He's like, Rebbe, what did I do wrong? <laughs> this guy spent $10. She's all flustered. She puts it in a vase. I gave her 20 bucks. She threw it back at me. I said, you fool. It's not the amount of money that you spent. 
the guy who buys the roses means that in the middle of his day of working, he stopped, he thought about her, he went to the store, bought it for her, and brought it home. It's not the value of the flowers. Guys get engaged, right, and they have a, a rose in the back seat. One rose, it's two bucks. What is she getting all flushed? What is she like? Wow, he bought me a rose. He gave me two bucks. It's not that. He went, spent time, thought of me, and bought me a rose. It's the thinking of the person. It's the spending the time. It's not the money. Not my father, Oliver Shalom. He didn't buy the kids toys for Hanukkah. He would take them to Toys R Us, his grandchildren, and shop with them to pick out whatever they wanted in Toys R Us, whatever it was. Because he felt, to just to bring them home with toys, so you spent money and you bought them a toy. He said, if you go shopping and you spend the time, the time means that you love them. Time means that you love them. So the time that the guy in the middle of the day, if you call your mother in the middle of the day, like when you leave seminary at 1 o'clock, and you're like, hi, Ma, I'm just calling to say I love you. I don't want anything. So that means that in the middle of your day, you thought about her. That means you care about somebody. So Binyamin went ahead and named every single one of his kids so that any time he would call any one of his kids, it would remind him of Yosef. Yosef could not handle that. that was, that's too much. That's like amazing. So that's why he went into his room and he started crying uncontrollably. So it's not only a parent telling a child I love you in the middle of the day for no reason, but a, 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 a child not only, you know, girls, when I wrote the book, people came up to me and said, I call my mother for Shabbos. I call her every Friday. I'm like, that doesn't sound like you love her. That sounds like something you have to do. If you call her on Tuesday, that's not something you have to do. That's something you want to do. It's very different. That's a very important lesson that we see from Rashi and we see from Yosef Atzadik. And we also see a very important lesson that, yeah, sometimes you're right, but if someone begs for pity, you got to have pity. So the brothers didn't say, we made a mistake, we passed wrong. They're like, no, we passed right, so why are you getting punished? Why are you going through this? Because he begged us and we didn't care. We had no pity. Oh, you had no pity? Not having pity is always wrong. Always wrong. Unless that person is hurting other people. That's, all, that's a whole different story. Okay. Now let's go to this week's Pasha. A lot in this week's Pasha. We're not going to have that much time. I don't want to go into other teachers' time, but... Pasha's Vayigash. And Yosef was not able to, he couldn't do it anymore. So he told everyone to leave. He didn't want to embarrass his brothers in front of the Mitzvah. And he says to his brothers, they're all standing there, and of course they don't know that he's Yosef. He says, I need Yosef. 
Surprise! I'm Yosef. Is my father still alive after what you did to him? He was giving them Musr. My father's still alive, really? After, after selling me? You didn't care that it might kill him? They had no answer for him. They were in shock. From his face, they should have recognized him. He looked exactly like Yaakov, but they had a different picture of who he was. He told them to come close. And then he did something not normal. And he said, And now, don't be distressed. Don't, don't start going over everything you did in your eyes. Because you sold me here. But Really, you, you did it, but you were really a shliach of Hashem. Because I had to come here in order to save the world. Okay? So he right away made them feel good. He didn't say, oh, what you guys did to me. Oh, you're going to get punished. He said, no! Bashat! It's Menashemayim! Don't worry about it. You see later... Big Musr. At the end of this whole story. Not to hold grudges, girls. Don't hold grudges. It just destroys you. It doesn't it doesn't get the other person. You're not taking revenge by holding a grudge. You're not hurting the other person. What you're hurting is you. That's who you're hurting. If someone really hurt you, let it go. Because when you let it go, you're not connected to that person anymore. As long as you hate someone, hate's an emotion. You're having an emotional relationship with someone. If I hate you, I don't hate anyone. But if I hate, let's say, someone, I'm having an emotional relationship with that person. Do you know that? Do you ever think about that? If I love someone, I'm having an emotional relationship with them. If I hate someone, I'm having an emotional relationship with them. In fact, hating someone might be a much deeper emotional relationship. Do I want to have an emotional relationship with someone who hurt me? So, Baruch Hashem, I don't hate anybody. I used to a long time ago, but I get rid of it one at a time. People who hurt me, I let it go. Because why would I want to have an emotional relationship with someone who's hurting me? So people hold it in, and they think it's going to make them feel better... You're not hurting the other person by hating them. You're hurting yourself. Yeah? You actually do what Yosef did. You're like, no person can hurt me unless Hashem signs off on it. So the person is the shliach. It's sort of like, like if I took a, a stick and I hit you, you being angry at the stick would be very foolish, right? So, no one can hurt me unless Hashem allows that to happen. So, me being angry at the... I mean, again, the person's wrong, and stay away from that person, and Hashem will punish them, don't worry. But, you, you just have to free yourself of them. Like, I, I don't want to have anything to do with this person anymore. I'm, I'm, I have no relationship, I have no emotions towards them. They don't exist in my life. They're not here. They're, they're, they're finished. It's over. you got to cut them out of your heart. 
the longer they're in your heart, you're having a relationship with them. And that's not good. It's only going to hurt you. And if you're, if you hated them, and that's getting revenge, it's not getting revenge. They don't care. You're not hurting them. You're hurting yourself because you only have a certain amount of emotions. And if if you're a person who hates everybody, then your whole emotional being is hate. You don't have room for love. And if your whole emotional relationship is love, you don't have room for hate. Aha! What does it say? If you love everybody, there's no room for hate. If you hate everybody, there's no room for love. So Yosef Atzadik says at the end of Pashat Vayichi, after everything they did to him, Vayom Aleim Yosef. Exactly what I just told you about the stick and Hashem. Altiro, don't don't be scared. I'm going to take revenge now that Yaakov at the end of Eichi Yaakov died. So now they're waiting. Oh, he won't take revenge when our father is alive. When our fathers died, like Esav, he's going to come take revenge. No, he said Hatachas Elokimani. What do you think? I'm 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 God. I'm going to take revenge on you. Am I instead of God? This was God's plan. Ratem Chashat Malai Ra. You thought you were going to do bad to me. But God knew he was doing something good for me. In order that I was able to save the world and give the world to eat. Don't worry about it. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to give you to eat. I'm going to take care of all your families. And you have nothing to worry about because this is all Hashem's plan now again people who hurt you people who hurt you Hashem's going to punish don't get me wrong Cause, because who does Hashem use to hurt you someone that's a, a hurtful person not a tzaddik that's for sure now it says that when he told them when he told them that he was Yosef. Rashi says, that they were that they were very they were in shame of what they had done to him and and what is the greatest shame the greatest shame is when a person lives a lie you live your whole life I had, I had a, a boy in my, in my house two days ago who became I don't know how this happened but he became an atheist doesn't believe in Hashem whatever it is doesn't believe in Hashem um, there's no such thing he just whatever he had a very hard life whatever it, whatever it is and I said to him I said the worst thing that can happen to human being is that you live your whole life and you think it's the truth and then the last second you find out the whole thing is a lie the brothers felt that what they did was right you know getting rid of him and that he deserved it and everything else and in one moment when he said I need Yosef they realized that they were totally wrong 
that they wasn't Chayv Misa, and what they did was totally wrong. And it says, like, Gehenim opened up underneath them. So I said to this guy, I said, and, uh, when you die, and, you, and Hashem's going to be stand, going to be there, it's, it's, it, forget Gehenna. You don't need Gehenna. It's going to be the biggest Gehenna for you that you lived your whole life believing there's no God. And then all of a sudden, you see that there was a, there is a God. That means your whole life is a lie. What could be worse in a person's life than living a whole, your whole life a lie? Finding out at the end that, <laughs> that you were wrong. I'll, I'll end with this story. So, when I used to do business, um, I used to sell a store in Bensonhurst that was owned by a Jew. He wasn't religious at all, nothing, zero. Wasn't religious at all. And um, he had a missionary that worked for him. He was Jewish, not from not nothing. He had a missionary that kept telling him that the Jewish religion is wrong. And that if you don't believe in Yashka, then you're, you're, you're holding back the Messiah. He made him crazy. Anyway, I was just starting to teach at that time, and this guy, his name was Henry, his name was Mike. Actually, the name of the store was Henry Schwister. His name was Mike, maybe he's listening to the shit. I don't know if he became, I don't think it came religious, but whatever. And um, he called me up, he said, listen, Rabbi, um, I don't know, maybe this missionary is right. Maybe his religion is right and we're wrong. I need you to come in and and, uh, and and have a discussion and we'll see which one of you have a debate and whichever one of you wins the debate, that's how I'm going. If the if the missionary wins, then I'm, I'm becoming Christian. And if you win, then I'll stay Jewish. I never, I was very young, I was maybe 25. I never had a debate with, uh, missionaries are, they're, 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 they go to school for this. They know exactly what to say. I, I never debated a missionary. I, I didn't know what to say. But he said, if you don't come to debate, I said, I'm not, I don't really, I'm the wrong guy. He said, well, if you don't come, then I'm, then I'm listening to him because the guy was telling him, sure, the rabbi ain't coming because he knows we're right. So I had to go. So I remember I went to David Mincha before I went. And I daven to Hashem that he should put the answers in my mouth. I'm not trained anti-cult, anti-missionary. I'm not trained for it. All right. So I come into the back room. I remember it like today. We're sitting in the back room. We have the money and everything. This guy walks in, very white-skinned, very calm. I'm a young 25-year-old guy. He says, you're a rabbi? I'm like, no, I'm not a rabbi. I'm a teacher. Oh, okay. He said, would you like me to go first in this debate or would you like to go first? Now, I didn't know where to start I never did this so I told him no no you're older you, you should start so he gets up and he says you know God is this being that's above this world above physicality above anything physical and um, so he doesn't bother with this world but he had a son a human son with Mary and he starts telling me the whole religion and that son is Yashka, Jesus, and he's the Messiah and he's the one that came to this world to do God's work and he's and the Jews who don't believe in the Messiah, Yashka, 
because of the Jews, he's not coming. But if you guys, if a million of you would become Christian, the Messiah will come. You're holding back the Messiah. I listened to his whole speech. What am I arguing with? Like, what am I saying? Right? We, like, that's the biggest blasphemy that God had a human being as a son. Well, if he had a son, why didn't he have one and one son? And today they would be complaining, why didn't he have a daughter? Right? Because like, or was it, or what's the gender of that, of that thing? Like, whatever. I don't know what they would say today, right? It definitely would not fly. So, so, um, I said, listen. I don't know your religion. We, we, first I made a joke. I said, Jews are, we go to the owner of the store. Non-Jews, if they have a problem with an item in the store, they talk to the manager. We don't want the manager. Who owns the store? I want to talk to the owner of the store. We don't deal with in-betweens. God owns the world. We don't deal. A little joke. It was a little joke. He didn't think it was funny. I said, I said, Mike, darling, this is the guy that I, I was doing business with. I said, Mike, listen to me. I never studied their religion. I'm not a missionary. I don't know. But let me tell you something, Mike. After 120 years when you die, let's say they're right. They're not. But let's say they're right. And this guy, Yashka, is standing there, right? His soul comes up and he says, Hey, Mike! Well, he's not going to talk like that, but what? Hey, Mike, why didn't you come to church? You never came to church. You never prayed to me. Right? We're going to have to put you in a, yeah, the barbecue in heaven, you know. We're going to put you in hell. You never came to church. No Christianity. What is this business? I said, Mike, what would you say? Said, I don't know. Well, Christians believe in the Ten Commandments. Right? They all agree the, the Old Testament. The Ten Commandments, it says, honor your father. So all you need to tell this Yashka, if there's such a thing, is, you're right, I never went to church, but I went to synagogue. Instead of praying to you, I pray to your father. You're going to punish me praying to your father. Then the whole Ten Commandments are wrong. Then the whole thing, then the whole religion that you have is wrong. Messed up, man. I said, so Mike, you got nothing to worry about. You go to shul, you go to, you go to the father. You, go, you, you have nothing to worry about. I said, but... I turned to this guy and I said... But if you're wrong, and you come to heaven after 120 years, and there is no Son of God that's blasphemous, right? There's just God, and God's like, excuse me, who did you pray to? To my son? I have a son? Human? That's what you think? That you think God has a son with a woman? You're done! So I said, if we're wrong, the Jews, we're not wrong. We pray to the, we pray to the Father. But if you guys are wrong, you're in big trouble. Because you're blasphemous to Hashem. Mike's like, wow, that's pretty good. Call me Stephen because that was my English name. I was selling plastic bags. This guy, this missionary who was so soft when I walked in, started cursing me in front of Mike. You blank Jews, this is why. I'm like, what happened? This guy turned into a monster. When I first walked in, he was the sweetest guy. And he quit. He quit that day, walked out. He said, I'm never going to work here again. 
And Mike said, bye. The last second you realize that your whole life you lived wrong. That's a huge problem. The brothers, when he said, I need Yosef, they realized that their whole sock, their whole thing, their whole, their whole was wrong. And when Nevhalum we punov, that was something they could not handle. So you need to live your life by MS. And if you have questions, you need to write to ask the right people. Because Chas Vishalom, this like this boy, I said to him, I said, I did the same thing to him. I said, one second, you're an atheist, you don't believe in God. I said, I give you two choices. Let's say you let's say let's say you write, there's no God, which can't be because if there's a creation, there's a creator. And being that there's all these creations, there's creators. There's a creator. But let's say you're right. Atheism is right, let's say. There's no God. So what's going to happen? You, let's say the, your whole life you were a religious Jew, you learned Torah, treated your wife right, had kogel kishka and all kinds of and, and matzo ball soup, and had sukkahs and Purim and Hanukkah, and, and had and brought up your children correctly and had 613 mitzvahs and never spoke bad about another person because of and never looked at things you shouldn't because you're right you follow the Torah correct 100% and then you die and there's nothing so what'd you lose? but what happens if you live as an atheist? and you don't believe in Hashem and you don't keep any of the mitzvahs and after 120 years you come to Shemaim and you die and the first thing you see when you die is God's Shechina uh oh your whole life was a lie you're finished, you're done I'm like, I have no gamble I'm living a Yiddish Tayyidika life and even if there was no God I would live this life anyway it's such a good life and I know that there is a God so if I am wrong, what, what am I missing? Baruch Hashem, I have a family, I, I go to Davin, I, what do I do by Davin? I pray, doesn't hurt me, right? I learn, I use my brains, I do all good things. The mitzvahs are, honor your parents. One day a week, quiet down, don't do anything. Look at the Ten Commandments, don't kill somebody, don't steal somebody, don't be jealous of somebody, right? So, so have a great life. And then I have Hashem. But you, I told this boy, same story. I said, but you, if you're going to be an atheist and not keep anything, if you're right, okay. But if you're wrong, you're Dunsky. Why would you take that chance? Must be there's something else going on in your life. And of course there is. And we found that, whatever it is. Take care of it. Whatever it is. So there's three big lessons from today. Lesson number one, even if you're right, if someone is asking for pity and begging, you don't have to be right. Listen to them. Help them. Number two, make sure the people you love know that you're always thinking about them. Not Erev Shabbos or when you have to call, but times that you don't need to call. And also know that you're very blessed, Baruch Hashem, that you were born, that you're Jewish, and you were born... And you have a Torah, and you have mitzvahs, and you have Hashem, 
And after 120 years, you're going to go up, you're going to see the Shekhinah, you're going to see that you did everything you were supposed to, Mr. Mashiach should come before that. And we have a lot to thank our Kodesh Baruch Hu for. Okay, I don't want to take any more time of your teacher. I think they're waiting outside. You should be good bench and have a very good week. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.